It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. No Gavin today, but I am getting into some rumors about the Knicks that have been circulating. We've got Emmanuel Quickly rumors from our buddy Ian Begley. Evan Fournier contract rumors from Begley and from Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports. Are the Knicks looking for a backup big from Stefan Bondi of the Daily News? And a bunch more. Plus, I'm going to be getting into the Knicks' summer league game against the Magic and some of my takeaways from that. And I'm not the most impressed, if I'm being completely honest. But we'll get into it next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. No one, thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and you can become an everydayer. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And as I said in the intro, we've got some... Uh, some news and rumors. I thought it would be good to do a little little catch-up towards the end of the week here and kind of see where we're at. Uh, obviously, the Knicks have spent their largest chunk of money that they're going to in free agency on Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, but there's there's still some things that could potentially happen. And one of those is an Emmanuel Quickly contract extension coming off of his rookie deal. The Knicks are eligible to uh, negotiate said extension all the way up through the beginning of the regular season and how much that ends up being worth is of course going to be a point of contention among Knicks fans. Uh, I, because I think that fans still have a, a, a different sense of what money is worth in the NBA at this point. Uh, the salary cap is going to be close to $140 million this coming season. So that's important to consider when uh, we get into this little news bite from Ian Begley Talking about Emmanuel quickly on uh, Zach Lowe's The Low Post podcast, uh, Begley said, I would be surprised if they didn't come to an agreement with quickly on an extension, whether it's $20 million, $18 million annually, because they like quickly as a player and also because other teams will like quickly as a player. So this is a number that Gavin and I have thrown around quite a bit. And I, you know, I think Gavin has even at times said he'd be willing to pay upwards of what like RJ Barrett is getting paid, which is more like 25 to 27 million dollars a season uh for quickly. And I'm kind of I've I've been saying the whole time, you know, somewhere in that 18 to 20 million dollar range, very comfortable as far as I'm concerned. I think that that is 
going to be the going rate for just a good rotation player in the NBA now. I think that we're going to see that. And, you know, there's a, I have a note on Josh Hart that came from Ian Begley as well in just a minute. But I think that's going to be sort of a, a number that we've, we've got to get used to as $20 million no longer is a number reserved for like star players. I know that that's always the number like, oh, Mark Stoudemire got 20 million a season and, and the five year, $100 million contract and the $100 million contract for Allen Houston and like, oh my God. And then those guys were injured and blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. You know, $20 million. It's like, it's this number that's like seared in the brains of Knicks fans, I feel like, uh, and has a ton of negative connotations with it just because of the fact that they've handed out a number of deals that were worth over $20 million a season uh, in the past that have not worked out. But if you look at the landscape around the league, I say this all the time and I'll continue saying it. There are guys that are going to be getting paid like upwards of $60 million by the ends of their contracts uh, in the NBA right now. There is a new TV deal coming in two seasons in 2025 that could potentially shake things up and make the salary cap explode once again, similar to what we saw back in the 2016 offseason when the salary cap went from $60 million to $90 million in one fell swoop. Uh, it is since in the years past since 2016 now gone from 90 million up to, as I said, almost 140 million. When a new TV deal comes around, that generally means big money. I mean, we might see the NBA salary cap go as high as 180 to 200 million dollars potentially if this next TV deal is super, super lucrative, which I don't see why it wouldn't be. The league is as big as it's ever been. So, 20 million for Emmanuel quickly or 18 million for Emmanuel quickly is totally reasonable. Uh, and I, I think that given the impact that he has on the floor, given the flashes of something better that we've seen, I, I think there's a good chance that you sign him to a $20 million deal annually. And you look at it by year two and say, this is a steal very similar to Jalen Brunson, which if you recall, a lot of people belly ached about the Jalen Brunson deal this past year. Uh, and then, he looks like one of the best value contracts in the NBA now. So I don't know. I, I, I have very, I have a very hard time being upset about this Emmanuel quickly rumored 18 to $20 million price point, because I think it's going to end up being a great deal for the Knicks. Uh, I, I think that you'll ultimately look at that quickly deal and say, wow, this worked out really good for the Knicks, uh, you know, similar to other uh, rookie extensions that have been you know at the time thought to be like oh is that a little bit too much and then the player ends up totally outplaying it and you say all right well this this wasn't a bad investment after all in fact it was a great investment i think that's where we'll probably be with quickly in a couple years uh also we have a couple of little uh little notes on evan fournier and his contract first from ian begley in in uh, an article for sny one team tracking the value of expiring contracts and trades says New York placed a high value on Fournier's contract, which is for $18.8 million in 2023-24 and as a team option in 2024-25. And then Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports says rival front offices continue to say New York remains engaged on trade avenues for veteran shooter Evan Fournier and the Knicks are amenable to doing so as part of a multi-team framework, sources set. So that's an interesting note. I mean, what do the Knicks consider high value for Evan Fournier's deal? Is the high value just that it'll allow some other team to have a big chunk of salary to aggregate to then complete a big deal? Like, for example, 
I was just mentioning there are players that are going to be making upwards of $60 million. Damian Lillard's one of those guys. Uh, currently is going to be making, I think, over $50 million this upcoming season. That's a large chunk of salary to match. So is that where the Knicks are saying, hey, we have we have $20 million in salary, as much as it kind of sucks to just turn Evan Fournier into a, a big chunk of money. Uh, but, you know, it, they might be able to say, hey, you know, Miami, you guys don't have enough salary to get this deal done, or at least not without completely eviscerating your team send us some of the assets that we're going to go to Portland and then we can talk and whether that's picks or, or what have you. I mean, I don't know what they would consider high value at this point. Anyway, is it, is that a handful of second round picks? Is that a first round pick? I I don't know. Uh, But I I do think that it would be also difficult to say then, Oh, or the team, you know, if you're dealing with a team that doesn't have a surplus of picks, that's trying to make a big deal like Miami, for example, trying to get Lillard, it becomes a little bit of a hard sell to like Portland then to be like, Hey, we're going to take away some of the asset return you can get for your superstar that you're giving up in this deal. And just so that we can get involved and make the salaries match. Um, So I don't know exactly how much the Knicks will be able to get for Fournier. If that's the case, I, I would probably consider it more likely that they end up holding on to Fournier themselves rather than, having him just be part of some other deal unless they can get a premium return. Because in reality, if the Knicks are able to get another star uh, themselves, then, you know, they would probably look to just do uh, have Fournier for that deal because then they might not necessarily have to include, you know, some of their guys that they don't want to give up on just for the the purposes of salary matching. So it'd be an interesting situation to keep an eye on uh, and and one that we'll certainly keep you guys updated on. But uh, I got more to talk about. Some more stuff from some articles. Uh, Stefan Bondi, the Daily News, says the Knicks might be looking for a veteran big. Uh, Ian Begley has a note on OG Ananobi and his potential availability, again, from the low post. And then Begley, once more, has a note on Josh Hart as well. So lots more to talk about. But first, I got to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And whether you're dealing with decisions around career relationships or anything else, therapy can help you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement and you know it therapy is is helpful it's it's something that not enough people turn to um and it can really help you learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries it can empower you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who have experienced trauma you know it's we everyday life is sometimes daunting you know it's uh, you go through life and have various experiences and and different things to deal with. Work could be stressful. Your relationships can be stressful. Uh, you know, family, I mean, everything. You know, there's all these things that that just add up and add up. And it can be good to talk to somebody and work through those issues and make yourself into the best version of yourself by learning how to cope with things, learning how to set boundaries with people. It's it's a very useful thing, even if you're not necessarily going there for a pointed specific reason a mental health professional can help you sort through those things so if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge so let therapy be your map with better help visit betterhelp.com slash locked on mba today 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, and I'm back in talking more Nick's rumors here, and there's a bunch. Uh, So first, from Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News, according to a source, the Knicks are monitoring the free agent market for a veteran big. So that's good to know. I I have been lobbying for this uh, for <laughs> the last you know week or we can change however long it's been since they traded Obi Toppin. I think they need another. I think they need a, another backup big, preferably a guy who is a backup four that can at least a little bit shoot the three. I think that that's going to be very important if you want to fill that Obi Toppin hole behind Julius Randle. I don't think that you can turn to R.J. Barrett and Josh Hart the entire time to be your backup for. I just think you're going to suffer too much uh, in terms of of rebounding and just sometimes you just need two guys that are the right size out there. And I'm also I'm really really not on board with the idea of Jericho Sims being the backup for. Uh, also, I'll get to him in a second, but. Watched a little Isaiah Roby at the summer league, and I gotta say, I don't see a guy that I'm I would be comfortable plugging into a playoff team uh, as a, a backup for. So, I I think this is prudent for the Knicks. They still have uh, their four point two million dollar biannual exception that they could use this year as well if they want to spend that. They also saved a, a small smidge of money uh, of the regular mid level exception on the Dante Divincenzo contract. So. They could use a little bit of that, I think, to pay slightly more than veterans minimum to somebody. But I think if they use the biannual exception, that that could be useful. I think that has to be a contract of at least two years. Now, of course, that might put them into the luxury tax as well. But, I mean, James Dolan at this point sees a playoff team and probably would be okay with turning into a tax-paying team. But, you know, the Knicks front office might be like, you know, let's save, let's save that for next year or something. It's also possible that, you know, if the Knicks want to, I just talked about Fournier's contract essentially being an asset in the last segment, but it's possible that if the Knicks want to, they could pay someone with that biannual exception and then just say, hey, here's two second round picks, uh, Detroit or whomever still has, you know, some some cap space hanging around. You know, here, just take a couple second round picks and here's Evan Fournier's deal. We don't want to pay the tax this year. We'll pay a couple second round picks to not pay the tax this year. Um which would be disappointing because that would essentially mean that the OB deal would be a wash, but you know, uh, whatever it's, uh, 
it's an avenue that that could present itself to them. And we've already gone over some of the potential guys that the Knicks could go after as backup fours in free agency. Again, the guy I keep coming back to is Jermichael Green. I just feel like he would be a good investment not to go too, too all in on former Warriors from this past season. But I think Jermichael Green is, you know, he's not a fantastic defender. Uh, but on offense, at least he can shoot the three. He rebounds the ball pretty well. You know, I, I think that that's a guy that the Knicks could look at as a veteran addition to just kind of play those like 12 to 13 minutes behind Julius Randle most nights. It, but also he isn't so good that it feels like you're restricting yourself from potentially throwing RJ Barrett or Josh Hart out there for stretches as the four. So I, I think that would be a worthwhile investment for the Knicks. I'm glad to see that they're apparently still looking at the free agent market uh, for a big uh, Gavin had a great show with Sean Woodley of the locked on Raptors podcast the other day about OG Ananobi, but a uh, little cold water on that from Ian Begley once more on the low post. As of late last week, I hadn't heard anything about Toronto even listening or taking calls on OG Ananobi. Obviously, that could change, but I would assume they're keeping Ananobi going into the season. So there you have it. Could just be a, a tactic from Masai Ujiri from the Raptors, you know, to say, hey, well, unless someone's willing to pay this huge price tag that we've placed on OG Ananobi, we're not going to trade him. But, you know, it's a huge price tag that they're apparently asking for. And they're asking for like a star level return. And, I, I think that maybe teams around the league are going to wait until the Lillard trade happens to see what goes on there till the Harden trade happens as well. Can't forget that like James Harden still very much wants to go to the Clippers. Uh, so I think that teams around the league are going to kind of wait and see those trades go down before they make a deal for someone like an OG Ananobi, because I think the star market is in the process of resetting itself, mostly because salary matters more than it ever has now with these luxury tax penalties and with the huge uh, burdens that the luxury tax can potentially put on you as far as team building, uh, I think that the cost of these these superstars that are making a ton of money is going to go down. And when the star market goes down, then the the role player or high level role player market, like for OG Nobi, will also go down in theory because then you know they can't turn around and say, "Well, Donovan Mitchell got uh, you know what was it four picks and three swaps or whatever." So or like Rudy Gobert, I know got that much. You know, so that means that OG Ananobi is worth at least three first round picks. Uh, now you'll be able to say, as the opposing GM, well, no, actually, Damian Lillard only got like two first round picks back uh, and, you know, some good players. So you can have like a first round pick and a really good player for OG Ananobi or something like that. So we'll see how that all goes. But I, that's my, my working theory on that. And then one more note from Ian Begley on Josh Hart in an article. This is actually from a few of the beat writers wrote articles about Dante DiVincenzo where Steph Curry talked very, very favorably about him. So if you want, look that up from, uh, I think, I know at least uh, Ian Begley and Steph and Bonnie had articles about this because Steph was getting ready to play in a in a golf tournament and so did a round of interviews and was asked a few questions about Dante DiVincenzo, spoke extremely highly of Dante. So if you, if you want that, go check that out. But uh, in that article, Ian Begley notes on Josh Hart, Hart is eligible for an extension for as long as four years and as much as $81 million. And I would be, I would expect it to come in at under the max number. So under the max number means that Begley expects Hart to get less than $20 million a season. I think that's reasonable. I, if I were a betting man, uh, I would put Hart's next contract in the $16, $18 million range, just based off what other guys are getting around the league. I think that 
certain players' contracts are going to be a little cost-controlled uh, by this new CBA as well and by teams being scared of that new second luxury tax apron, which uh, makes it so that then you don't have as much ability to build your team the way that you want to. Uh, so I think that's that's probably going to influence guys like Hart's contract. I think it's influencing Quickly's as well a little bit. Um, so we'll see how that all goes in the end. But yeah, I, th- I think 16 to 18 million for Hart. And it sounds like Ian's hearing the same stuff. So I guess we'll see later in the summer. We'll probably see an, an extension for Hart and quite possibly an extension for quickly coming down the line. So uh, we'll see how that all goes. But the Knicks have been playing in summer league. Gavin and I haven't really been talking about it because it's not there's not as much to watch for this year if we're being completely honest it did not feel like a huge priority that said once i saw that the knicks won against the magic the other day and that they had a game winner i figured you know what i should probably watch this so i did go and watch that game and i've got some notes on that in the next segment including why i think Jalen martin was pretty impressive they're they're undrafted free agent signing so we'll get into that in just a second but first i do have to remind you all that today's episode is brought to you by bird dogs And I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about bird dogs yet, but they are my new favorite shorts. They are so freaking comfortable. They have stretch khaki that has four-way flex, which if you don't understand what that means, just take your pants, try to stretch them to the left and right, and then try to stretch them up and down. If they don't stretch both those ways, they're not four-way flex. Some of your pants might not even be two-way flex. So, you know, step your game up if that's the case. But they are super comfortable. They have a liner on the inside as well, which... For sweaty dudes like me means, uh, you know, a little, little undercarriage sweat is not going to, you know, put me down during the summer, uh, you know, and and is it, I can still be comfortable no matter what. Uh, but, yeah, I, I've been loving them. I, I loved my bird dogs so much. Like, full disclosure, they sent me a free pair to test so that I could talk about them. And I've already gone back and bought multiple pairs of bird dog <laughs> shorts and pants because they're that comfortable. They're durable and they look really, really good. I really like how they make me look so. If you want to get some for yourself, go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. I can definitely promise you that. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, That is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, and I'm back in talking Nick's Summer League this time. So... I, the Knicks won 82 to 80 over the Magic the other day in Summer League. And uh, I have a confession to make. I had not watched a single game up to that point. A little, little liberating in its own way. I mean, when the Knicks made no draft picks this year, it's a little hard to get excited for Summer League. There's nobody to really see. 
that is going to, you know, like knock your socks off or be like, oh, this is a guy they just spent a first round pick on. Like, I bet that this guy's going to have a role. I, it really had me yearning a little bit for the the golden era of Nick Summer League, even though they didn't do that well overall in the win loss column. But like Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes all on one team together, Jericho Sims, all those guys on one team together. That was pretty cool uh, a couple of years ago. So, you know, no, no such luck this time around. It's uh, a little more subdued as far as the hype for this Nick Summer League team. Uh, but that said, I think there was still some guys to look for. So, I'll apologize to, to the rest of the guys on the team, but I basically just wanted to see Jalen Martin, Trevor Keels, and Isaiah Roby. Um, the story on those three guys, Jalen Martin, uh, undrafted free agent signee by the Knicks. I believe they've already signed him to a two-way deal. So he played for Overtime Elite, which is where the Thompson Twins came from. They're obviously crushing in Summer League right now. And he was sort of an unheralded uh, player out of that same league. So, you know, definitely a guy that I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see. Uh, still very young. He's only 19 years old, so that's cool. Trevor Keels, also still only 19 years old, despite getting ready to enter his second season. He was the Knicks' second-round pick last year, played on a two-way deal. I, I think he saw maybe like five minutes of NBA action last year, even in garbage time, because he really did not look ready uh, for the NBA last year. So was intrigued to see some more of him, see how he's developed. And then Isaiah Roby, the Knicks signed uh, to a, a deal right towards the end of last season. And I believe he's still under contract as of right this second for like $2 million or something like that. He's played four seasons prior to uh, this year. Uh, so he's going to be going into his fifth NBA season. He actually started a decent amount of games over two years for the Thunder. Average over 10 points per game in one of those seasons. But the percentages will not blow you away. Uh, playing for an obviously tanking team, too, in the, in the Thunder. So, you know, you don't want to read into that too much. But a guy that... If you listen to my YouTube comments, you know that everybody keeps saying every time we say, oh, the Knicks don't have a backup four, they go, Isaiah Roby, he started a bunch of games for the Thunder, blah, blah, blah. He's in summer league, this, that, the other. Okay, fine. Let's go. Let's take a look. So I watched this game after I, I've had all these DVRing, but they've been sitting in my DVR on watch so far. Uh, but I went in after I saw the Knicks won this game. So they wind up winning 82 to 80 in overtime. They did like um, the... Uh, Oh my god! Why is the name escaping me? The the rule style where they just add a certain number of points to the final score at the end of regulation, and then you know once you once you reach that target score, then you win. Uh, so they added seven points, made the target score eighty two, and Jalen Martin came through with a game winner. So that was exciting. The rest of the game, not super exciting, pretty sloppy. Uh, it, it had um. Serious like Knicks versus Heat vibes in the sense that the Knicks just could not make a three to save their life this entire game. I think they shot like 25% on threes in this game. Uh, clearly not a ton of perimeter shooting talent on this team right now. But I, I zeroed in on Trevor Keels first uh, as the, the incumbent. Uh, the second year player, which usually is a, a role that the Knicks take pretty seriously in summer league. They usually, you know, Dice Yoshimoto usually will be like, hey, you know, uh, Dice Yoshimoto, head coach of the summer league for, I should say. Um, but, you know, he'll usually be like, hey, you know, second year guy, you should be, you know, ready to sort of take over and, and you know, guide this team a bit. And we saw that with Manuel Quickly and Obi Toppin two years ago. We saw it with Quentin Grimes uh, last season when he really stepped up and and showed that he could potentially be a lot more. And I was expecting to see that from Keels. And I, uh, I don't think he's there yet. 
Um, they did have him running point, at least on the, you know, on like the the roster card, you know, like the starting lineup card. He he was running point, I guess, and they did kind of put the ball in his hands to start things on a lot of the early possessions. But I didn't really feel like he was running a true point guard, uh, so to speak. He wasn't really like the guy setting the table for everybody. They just kind of get a lot of motion going once they get into their half court, which is good. I like seeing that. I like seeing, you know, these guys are being uh, taught up on how to, you know, run a lot of motion and come off screens and stuff like that. So that's always good to see. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I guess I'll throw the one positive out there first from Keels. He, he did seem to be directing traffic a lot in the sense that like, he looked like the vet when like other guys had, the ball, he was the one, you know, you could see him gesticulating the guys being like, no, no, up there, pass up there, you know, hit this guy, do this, do that. And yet when he had the ball in his hands himself, I was not super impressed. Uh, the shot selection was not fantastic. It seemed like he was getting to some so-so looks like in the mid-range and whatever and taking those. I would have loved to have seen him try to get all the way to the hoop more. Um, the three-point shooting did not move me. I don't even know what his final total was. I decided to throw no stats in this. I'm just going eye test only. But it, his three-point shooting did not look fantastic. Um, and overall, I, I hate to say this, but I'm still not sold on his his physique or his burst. Um, he still just doesn't look like he's in NBA shape. You know, he's he allegedly has put on like three, four inches, something like that, uh, over the course of this past year. And that I could see. He looks taller, like for sure. I think he's reported now to supposedly be around like six seven or something like that. I, I forget who said that. I think it was Mitchell Robinson or something on like Twitter. Um, but or maybe Josh Hart. I don't know. But either way, one of the Twitter active Knicks players said that he got a lot taller. I could sort of see that, but he still just doesn't he, he doesn't look particularly in shape. I, that's the nicest way I could put it. And he doesn't look like he's worked on improving too much from last year like his burst is still just basically non-existent uh he doesn't have like a huge amount of handle or moves to make up for that like Jalen Brunson for example does not have the craziest burst you've ever seen and yet he has a just fantastic handle and just so many moves that can make up for whatever physical inadequacies he has uh, I just don't see that with Keels yet and then on defense, he was a disaster. I mean, he's he really just he had a hard time keeping anybody in front of him. There was a stretch, I think, in the third quarter where he committed like three fouls in a row. Um, where I was just like, Well, you just fouled this guy strictly because you couldn't keep him in front of you at this point. And uh, so I didn't love seeing that. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a Trevor Keels believer yet. Um, next guy, Jalen Martin. I I think there's something there with Jalen Martin. Um, you know, I think he looks very raw. He needs to improve his handle he needs to improve his burst a bit you know he still looks like he's he still looks like a teenager you know what i mean like he's he he's not there he needs a year of an nba weight program and a strength and conditioning program and all that stuff but you know unlike keels i i could see a little more of an outline there uh which is encouraging to me i think that his outside shooting definitely needs work he needs to put up like a million three-pointers this year and potentially try to get that down but his ability to attack off the dribble was pretty good. He seemed pretty good at getting inside. He was smart about not attacking a defense. So it was two set on the inside and instead, you know, spraying out to shooters and looked pretty good in that regard. Um, of course, you know, it would have helped if the Knicks made some more shots, but I thought that he did a good job of, of finding the open man. 
usually for like a corner three if he was on a drive. Definitely like that. Uh, of course, had the game-winning floater too, which I, I liked seeing that. Uh, he really worked through contact on that shot, which is encouraging as well. So, you know, hopefully he gets a lot of reps in the G League this year. I can't see this guy contributing to the big Knicks for at least another at least till a year from now, but probably two years, if I'm being honest, like probably like two full seasons, he would spend mostly in the G league and maybe on a two way deal. And then maybe he's developed himself enough to try to come up and earn a rotation spot. But given the fact that this guy went through overtime elite, like I think he understands, I think he's going to understand like what it takes to, you know, really grind and do stuff to get yourself noticed. Uh, Cause I was not the biggest, not the biggest showcase for guys with, with college obviously existing and the G League Ignite program, which has a higher stature, like you really have to had to bust your butt in overtime elite to, you know, kind of get the attention of these NBA scouts. And so I, I could potentially see something there. Um, also, the second year in a row, the Knicks have gone for an overtime elite guy uh, in the summer league. So that's intriguing as well um, after they had um, Gene Montero last year. So I don't know, a little fun fact. Anyway, uh, last guy I wanted to highlight was Isaiah Roby. And again, we get YouTube comments all the time saying like, this guy could be the backup for the Knicks are looking for blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know, man. I don't really see it. If I'm being completely honest, uh, first off, I don't trust him to do anything that takes more than two dribbles on offense. His handle is atrocious. And I understand as a four, you don't necessarily need to have the tightest handle or whatever, but man, it was bad. I mean, even to the point where he had a relatively straightforward transition opportunity and was dribbling down the floor and couldn't even keep track of his dribble. He had to go left with his left hand at that point. Couldn't even keep track of his dribble with his left hand at that point enough to drive the floor and go up for a clean layup and wound up getting blocked. Don't love that. Um, Especially because this guy is not in the same class as the rest of these guys on the Knicks summer league team. He's, he's going to be a fifth year NBA player. Like he's seen NBA action for four years now and still looks this raw. I don't think I trust him to come in and be signed and be a backup for um, outside of the dribbling. I mean, I just, he doesn't seem to have the best touch, like certainly not enough that I'd be like, okay, this makes up for the fact that he can only take two dribbles because he can just get the ball in the post and take a quick turnaround, little baby hook or whatever, or, you know, he can shoot the three or something. So he could basically just play defense and get the three and whatever. I don't really see any of that. If I'm being completely, I don't think he has a three point shot either. I don't think he has much of a jumper to begin with. Um, I would love to be proven wrong there. You know, maybe if the Knicks decide to go with him as their backup for, maybe I'll be proven wrong here and I'll have to eat crow, but and it certainly wouldn't be the first time, but I don't see it with him as of right now. Um, and then on defense, he had a couple decent, man defense you know like one-on-one situations uh had a nice block on i don't know who uh on the on the magic at one point someone was driving in and he blocked them uh in a one-on-one scenario so that's cool to see but other times i saw him and he didn't necessarily always get burned for it but i saw a lot of times where he sort of was losing track of his man and while ball watching a little too much of what was going on away from him um and so i i don't Based off that, based off watching him just a little bit, I don't have a ton of faith that he's like a great off-ball defender either. Um, and maybe does a little too much ball watching on defense. So I don't know. Uh, I, I hate to just do one segment on the guy and crap all over him, but I'm not really super sold on Isaiah Roby either. So 
I, I guess my overall summary and apologies if we don't end up doing any more summer league content. Uh, but I kind of doubt any of these guys will see much, if any time, with the the actual New York Knicks this year. Uh, I'm really not impressed with where Keels is at right now, and I think that he needs to do a lot more work, both in in the gym, uh, preparing his body for the NBA, but also in the gym, getting more shots up. His shot did not look great. Shot like three of three of thirteen or something. That is one box score number I did look up. His overall shooting it was it was not great. Um, so Keels has a lot more work to do. Uh, Roby, I'm I'm not sold on as some like NBA level backup for. I, I think that he will probably spend most of his time with the Westchester Knicks this year. Uh, but Jalen Martin, maybe there's something there, and he's only 19 years old. Uh, maybe could be the latest undrafted free agent success story. Uh, it's been a while since the Knicks had one of those. You know, dating back to like Langston Galloway, maybe I think would be their their greatest undrafted free agent success story. But those guys usually come up on a team with less to play for um, or the heat or the Raptors somehow. So I guess we'll see how that goes, but hopefully, hopefully he works on his game and, and has a good year in the G league this year. But at any rate, I think that's it. So thank you guys all for listening to this episode. Uh, be sure to check in. I think I'm going to put out a Saturday uh, one as well tomorrow. So keep your ears out for that. But until then, thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out everybody. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.